0: Thank you for being here today, and we are excited to have uh, Billy and April Pate with us. Uh, Billy and April, they pastor uh, the river in Burt Burnett, and Billy, and we go all the way back to Arkansas days, what, 20 years ago? Amen. So we are uh, uh, good friends here. We are thankful that they are here. But the Lord laid upon their heart, you know, we as a church are to bring justice in areas of injustice. I don't know if you think about that much or not. Hmm? That's what faith is. It is righting the wrongs. It is bringing faith into an equation where you understand that the kingdom of God is, is, is not just in meat and drink, but in righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. But, but it's also reaching out and, and correcting some of the wrongs. We, we understand the, the, the unjust judge and the widow. She continued to press and press and press until the judge relented, and he just said, I've got to give her what she's asking for. I've got to give her this justice. Well, in the process of their pastorate, God laid heavily upon their heart to go and do just that. And now they, have, they are starting a boys' ranch where they are ministering to young men that are living in a world of injustice. They're bringing justice to their situation. Amen. Amen to see them, and they're going to share their heart today. So I want you to welcome my, my friend, Billy Pate, up here as he comes and he shares his heart with you.
1: Amen. So good to be here with you guys. What a privilege it is. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, if I lived in Greenville, this would be the church I'd be going to. This is a fantastic house of God right here. The atmosphere is perfect. You have a spirit of hospitality when we walk through the doors. I'm telling you, you got all the components to see God move in a big way and I think he's already doing that. Amen. Amen. What a great pastors you have here in this place. Would you give them a big round of applause? They are dynamic. As Mike said, I've known them for several years, and uh, they're just great people, just good people, doing doing what God's called them to do, and I just appreciate that so very much. Well, April and I are so glad to be with you today. What a privilege it is to share our hearts with you, and I'm going to actually ask my wife, who is the better part of this whole deal, to come up here and share uh, some things that have been happening with rising suns thus far.
2: I think we've got a video that will play behind me as I share. Thank you again for having us today. I, I, like, I teach sixth grade. I like Andrea's move, you know, of doing these things. In fact, I plan on using it. I had somebody ask me, what is it like teaching um, to junior high students? And it's like wildlife management. That's the best way that I could describe that to you. So um, if I can do anything to keep their attention, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on some of those moves as well. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we have been pastoring in Burke for, um, it'll be 14 years on the 1st of November. Our kiddos were little. We have three kids. and They were young when we moved there. Uh, our oldest is now 25. Our daughter's 20. Our baby's 16, still in high school. Um, but it's been a beautiful community to raise our family in. About 12 years ago, we acquired land outside of town. We, we decided to tie up our money. Otherwise I'd be wearing it or we'd be eating it. So, so we decided to buy some acreage and it just sat there for a while. And we, and we kind of, we didn't necessarily know what we wanted to do with that, but God had a plan. And so at uh, uh, four years ago, we decided that we would invest that property into a boy's ranch. And, um, We began working towards that. Yeah, amen, yes. Uh, We began working towards that end. We um, applied for our 501c3, our our, uh, nonprofit status, and got our church fully invested with us. We're separate from our church, but they're our biggest supporters in this process. And so we went before our church in the fall of 2021 and just talked to them about foster care. About taking care of the vulnerable in our society. And at that time, we had no foster families in our church. We had no foster children in our church. Um, We've had close to 30 since that time come through our church. Um, I'm trying to, I think we've had eight be adopted. So far, uh, Next in two weeks, we have four more being adopted. And so being adopted into families, two of those, they've never been able to have kids, and now they have homes full of children. And so it's it's a beautiful thing to see what God is doing. Some of these pictures you're seeing are our after-school program. That's one thing that we did out at the facility is we opened up our um, farm to boys after school, not just not just boys in foster care. Any boy grades six through 12, Billy and his dad and a group of men pick them up after school each day, take them to the farm. They build pens, they uh, build fence, they scoop poop, you know, do all that fun stuff. They planted a garden, they worked a garden. Uh, it's been a great way to give back to our community. Um, amazing thing, just boys getting to be mentored by men. A lot of those boys don't even have a father figure in their life, and so we're just wonderful skills that they that they are working towards. Our um, I don't want to say our end result, but our big thing is to build a home on our farm to be able to take boys in who would otherwise age out in the system um, and probably not be on a really good path. And we want to be their forever family, and so that is um, our heart to do that. We have a card that I would love to visit with you more about. Um, just a way that you can make a hope, or you, the, a way that you can be hope and you can make a difference. And that's partner with us. Sorry, my mouth is really dry. You partner with us. We're at 127 each day. We set an alarm in our phone and we just pray. We pray for the vulnerable in our society. James 1, 127 says, a, a religion that God accepts, a religion that he receives, a, a, a worship, if you will, that he will receive as those that take care of orphans and widows. And then it goes on to say, and, not to be, and you don't be corrupted by the world. Well, that almost seems like it doesn't go together, but it very much goes together because this world system is one that would oppress orphans and widows. Our world system is dog-eat-dog. Dog. It's standing on the necks of others. It is coercion. It is fear. It is twisting. But in God's kingdom, it's a trust, and it's invitation, and it's looking out. It's self-sacrifice. It's hospitality. It's all of those things. And so each day, we set this alarm at 127. It goes off in my classroom, and just this last Friday, I had a little boy say, Miss Pater, you pay- praying for those kids in foster care? I said, I am. And he said, can we pray out loud? I said, You can. He didn't want to. He wanted somebody else to. And then when somebody else volunteered, he said, No, I will. I was okay. So he stood up right there in class and prayed over the children in foster care. They hear my alarm go off each and every day. And so that's what we're asking you to do. If you would stop at the table, we've got hats, we've got shirts, but we've got these cards. Please take one. Partner with us. 127. Each and every day, our alarms go off. We pray over the kids, asking God who shows mercy to the vulnerable, to use us as an instrument of mercy. Thank you.
1: Amen. See, now you know why she's the best part of this deal, right? She's fantastic. I appreciate her so much. Well, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2 today, and I want to preach a message called, But God, But God. I just, uh, man, the atmosphere here is so good. And, I mean, even from the Sunday school time, the, the live class time, to now, God is just kind of speaking in this same vein. And I think you'll find a real connection with the message this morning. Before I do that, let me pray. Let's pray together and let's just ask God to be with us in these next few moments. Father, I thank you. For the great privilege that it is to serve your cause, to serve your calling. Lord, I thank you for the hospitality of this, this place, the atmosphere that we have today. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room that you have divinely uh, purposed to be here today for a reason, for a, a mission that you have for them that you're going to enlist them to. God, I pray that as I preach this message today that you help me to communicate clearly what you have spoken to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Visions, chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Well, that's not very inspiring. Right? I mean, you read those three verses and you're thinking, wow, I don't have any goosebumps there. I'm not really excited about where we're going. Why were you talking about foster care, actually? Uh, where are we headed with all this? Aren't you glad that these three verses aren't the end of the story? Amen? I don't know about you, but just because a story starts bad doesn't mean it has to end bad. Amen? Amen. God is a God who steps in, who changes things, who shapes the way things are. And I believe, just like Andrea was sharing earlier, I'm I'm tired of going to Mexico and Africa to see miracles happen. I want to walk down the street and see them happen. I want to walk into the church house and see them happen. So whatever we've got to do to align ourselves with those but God moments in our lives, that's what we want to do. Verse 4, but God. Somebody say that with me. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Today I want to share some thoughts with you from the passage with the message entitled, But God. Let's look at verse 1 again this morning. It says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The first point I want to make today is this, that we were born into a condition that we did not choose. We were born into a condition that we didn't choose. We didn't choose that condition. It just happened to us. We didn't want it. We had really nothing to do with it. Sin is the condition, and we were just born with the problem. I always say this to my church, and I hope it's okay to say it here. When I get to heaven, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to. The first thing I want to do, of course, is go see Jesus. But the second thing, after I see family and I see all the people there, I've got to go find Adam, and I'm going to punch him right in the nose. I don't know if that's allowed or not. But you got to know that dude's going to be hiding out on, on, uh, on rapture day, isn't he? He's going to be afraid to deal with pain. Because we suffered a choice, and it's just not fair. It doesn't seem fair to me. Watch, Nee says it best. I love the way he says this. He says, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's just a condition that every person, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so we've got to have this intervention to come along and change our condition. When I think about the kids in foster care all across America, they're born into a condition that they did not choose. That is the injustice that Pastor was talking about. Do you know today that there are 413,000 kids in the foster care system in the United States? When I, when I say that, most people are like, they had no idea. I knew we had a problem. I knew there was a lot of kids. But 413,000, that's a pretty good chunk of the population. There are 12,000 kids in foster care in Texas alone. There are 58 in Hunt County. Born into brokenness. Born into dysfunction. Born into addiction. Born into abuse. All conditions that none of them chose or would have chose. They find themselves in a reality not of their choosing. But when I think about that, I also think about this, that there just has to be a sense that there is a but God just around the corner, waiting in the shadows, a moment where their opportunity to see something change in their life is waiting for them. I don't believe he's a God who leaves us in our condition. I don't believe he abandons us to our condition. I don't believe he looks at us and he says, man, that's too far, that's too bad, that's too tough, that's too hard. I'm just going to leave that alone. I'm going to go find something easier to deal with. No, no, no. He finds us where we are, how we are, where we are, and he deals with us right there in that place. We were born into a condition we didn't choose but God. Our God is a God who writes rescue stories. And you and I are his pen to do that. I'll say that again. I said, our God is a God who writes rescue stories, and you and I are his pen in which he writes. Just because the story starts bad doesn't mean it has to end bad. Look at verse 2. In which you were once called according to the course of this world. The second point I want to make today is this, that we're stuck in a pattern. We were stuck in a pattern that needed broken. You see there that it says, according to the course of this world, we were set on this bad course. Our decisions, our behaviors, our environment, it started to dictate a pattern, a course, if you will. The truth is that this pattern, this course, is so well-defined and well-worn in our lives that the only way of escape is with intervention. Someone greater than us, Someone holier than us, someone more righteous than us has to step in and rescue us out of that condition. I was way too deep in to get myself out of it. Look at verse 3 there. Among whom also we all, somebody say all, all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That little last phrase there, by nature, children of wrath, I want to talk about two things there, two terms to think about. By nature, first of all, it's hardwired in. Like it's just ingrained there. I mean, there's just some things, I don't know about you, but there's just some things that I've struggled with over my life that, that, that they're just there, right? They're just things that I was kind of born with those struggles. I was born with those proclivities. I was born with those, uh, those just directions that, that I really don't want to go in. Paul talks about that, right? He says, there's some things in me that I wish I didn't do, and I find myself doing them. There's some hardwired issues there. The pattern's got to be broken. So by nature. The second term there is children of wrath. That term there speaks of a generational pattern that was established and needed to be broken and reset with a new course. Romans 12, 1 says it like this. He says, no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. He said, you may have started this way, but after I deal with you, you're headed in a different direction. By nature, we're children of wrath, hardwired for just generational issues. The nature has to change before the pattern can be broken. Do you see that? Your life was stuck, was stuck in a pattern of brokenness and needed intervention and healing. Do you see that none of us could get ourselves out of the condition and the pattern that we found ourselves in? When I think about that again, I think about the kids. I think about the thousands of kids that are in foster care system. They didn't choose that life. They didn't want to be stuck in that world's pattern. They're stuck in some generational issues, some patterns. Do you know that 20,000 kids this year in America, will age out of the foster care system. And what that means is when I say age out, that means that they turn 18, they get a bag full of clothes, and then they are sent on their way to live life to the best of their ability if they are not placed with the family. Our, our Kyle, Kyle Bateman, who's over Family First uh, for Texas, tells a story of going down to Los Angeles and to death. What is it? Is it Skid Skid Row. I started to say death row. That's not it. Skid row. Skid row. And he's down there, and he, they're, they're working with uh, the church down there, and, and they notice that daily, or almost daily, a white van pulls up, door opens up, and a kid around 18 years old gets out with a trash bag. Door closes, van drives off. They see this happen several times, and they're thinking, that's weird. What, what in the world? Why would anybody be dropping a kid off down here at skid row? This is like the worst place in the world day after day, they see it happen. So finally, somebody's like, hey, we got to find out what this is. So they go over to them and they say, hey, I noticed you dropping off a kid here with trash bag regularly. What's the deal? Well, that kid's aged out of the foster care system and we got no place to send them. Now, how, how successful? How much of a future is placed before that kid? Do you know that The most likely four outcomes for kids that age out of the foster care system are trafficked, imprisoned, homeless, or dead. That is their most likely outcomes. The pattern has to be broken. I'm going to break that down for you just a little bit this morning. 25% that age out of the foster care system will not have a high school diploma. Half of them will be unemployed by 24. 25% will be involved in the justice system within two years. 71% of young women will become pregnant by the age of 21. 20% will be homeless by the age of 18. Patterns need to be broken. But God... And I just sense that, that there is a God working behind the scenes in places. He is enlisting his church to his cause. He is stirring the hearts of people. He is making us aware of injustice, and he is enlisting us to make a difference in that situation. The difference maker for every one of those kids is simply this, a family providing support and stability, a forever family. We think every child deserves a forever family. We believe every child deserves a forever family. We believe that every child deserves a place to come home to for Thanksgiving, a place to come home to for Christmas, a place to call when they're struggling and they're dealing with things. They need intervention. They need someone to step in and help them lift beyond those generational patterns that they're stuck in. A worldly system cannot deliver us out of a worldly pattern and worldly problems. Amen? We've looked to that. We've tried that, and that didn't work. God is the answer to this problem, and he uses his church to make it happen. He uses his. He doesn't do anything without his church. I I wish he would. I've said to him many times, God, I wish you'd just fix me without having to, you know, work with me in the process. You know, I just kind of trip up the whole system. I've prayed as pastor of my church, God, can we not just do this without these people? (laughs) And he never, he never comes on board with that. At Rising Suns, this is what we believe. We believe that that may be your nature, that may be your condition, but it doesn't have to stay that way, that there's some change that can happen. We believe in speaking to a changed nature. We believe in speaking to a better pattern. Hebrews 12, 24 tells me that God speaks a better word over his people, and I believe for a better thing than that. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2, 4, here's the good stuff. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, The last point that I'm going to make this morning is this. Someone cared. Thank God somebody cared. Someone cared to see you. Someone cared to find you. Someone cared to want you, to love you. right where you were and right how you were. Someone cared to see you for what was possible in your life. Not just take you for what you were as all you could be but to believe that there is much more for you than that. Over the years I've I've been a youth pastor, and my heart's still with the students. I I, loved, I just preached this last Wednesday night in our youth service. I love kids. I love teenagers. I believe in them. And one of the most profoundly powerful statements that I have used over and over and over in my pastor with an interaction with young people is that you're better than that. When a kid's struggling, when they're dealing with something, and, and you know they're at a place where they're just at a critical moment where they need to make a decision, I've said that many times, and I've had them respond good because they they need somebody to say, I know there's more in you than that. I believe in more than that. I believe that this is not your high bar for your life. I believe that you can reach higher than that. You can do better than that. You can be better than that. What your parents were is not dictating what you will be. We can change that today. Somebody wanted you. Somebody cared about you. Someone cared to find you, to seek you, to show you that you matter. Someone cared to want you to say you're important to me, that you, you matter to me. There's a place for you. You're mine. Everybody wants that. Someone cared to love you right where you were, how you were, to love you first, to love you from an old place into a new place, to take you as you were and love you into what you could be. Love always goes first, doesn't it? Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. We were born into a condition we didn't choose. We were stuck in a pattern that needed broken. That was our reality. But God. That word, if there's some English teachers in here and I'm messing this up, my theology is very fragile, so don't come tell me afterwards. Just let me live with this confusion. No. But God, uh, that word but is a conjunction if, so, but, and, for, and so on. These words are considered conjunctions. They're words that connect two realities together in some way. So even though they connect two realities together, different conjunctions connect those realities in different ways. You following with me, right? So I want to talk about two of them right now. I want to talk about and and the word but. The, The word and presents two realities that coincide with each other. Both realities exist in cooperation and complement with each other. Example in this would be I am lost and I am lonely, right? Two things that are happening to me simultaneously. The word but is different, however. It emphasizes the latter over the former. For example, I am driving, but I'm almost home, right? You see the difference? Scripture does not say, and God. It doesn't say, and God made your old life better. And God brought some new resources to you, some new advantages, gave you some new things to try out, some new ideas. God improved on your old life. It doesn't say that. He's not interested in a coexistence or a complement to your old life. Scripture says this. It says, but God. Two things I want you to see. First, but God takes the emphasis off the former, and it puts it all on the latter. But who? But God. Right? But God stepped in. He cared. He saw you. He found you. He wanted you. He loved you. He rescued you. He is the emphasis now of your old, not your old life. He's the emphasis of your life now. This is kind of a separate free sermonette right here. I'm just going to step off into it a little bit. You'll never find deliverance when you put the wrong name after the but. I know God loves me, but I struggle with. I know God can heal me, but this sickness is really hard. I know God is the answer, but I'm really struggling. It's, it's when we put the wrong emphasis after the but that we get stuck in the same old patterns doing the same old things. We need deliverance, and so we've got to get to the but God part in our lives. You get the wrong thing after the bud in your life, the emphasis will remain on the wrong thing rather than the right one. The second thing I want you to say is this, that God doesn't add to your old life. He replaced the old reality with a new one. The old life has passed away, and all things have become new. All things have become new. Not some things, not partial things. All things have become new, right? The old ways are replaced with new things. We don't get new When we continually maintain or emphasize the old. Amen. I got the same response from my church family. (laughs) We don't want to talk about that right now, Pastor. But God rich in in mercy. Because of his great love which he loved us. That's your story. That's your story. That's my story. That's God's story. And here's why. Verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me break that down just a little bit. For we are his workmanship. That is poema. I love it. It's where we get our word poem. It talks about not only a poem that God is writing with the, the, the pieces of your life, a beautiful poem that he's using all the little fragmented places of your life and writing it into a beautiful script, but it also speaks of tapestry. You know, in the old days, they'd build these big tapestries, and they'd be hanging on walls and different things like that. But every one of those, that word right there kind of connects that idea of tapestry where every little piece of your life is a thread that God is weaving into something beautiful. We are his workmanship, his workmanship, his, his. To me, that speaks of identity. I'm going to tell you the number one crisis in America is identity. People don't know who they are because they don't know who God is. And when they know who God is, then they'll discover who they are. You've got a lot of people in searching for who they are, trying to find themselves, trying to figure out this and that and the other, and I'm telling you, we are his workmanship. If you want the answers to those questions in your life, you've got to go to the one who created you. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, for positive things, for beneficial things, which he prepared beforehand. He's already lined it up for us. Now he's just saying all you got to do is walk in them. Just take a step. We should really walk in them. See, God has always had a plan for you, a place for you, a purpose for you. And I think this is what makes Rising Suns different from a lot of other foster care advocacy groups. Is we cast off labels. We cast off old patterns. I'm not interested in, exist, in coexisting with an old reality. We believe the but God and he changes everything. I've gone through some foster care training, and I'm just telling you, this is what they tell us all the time is that you've got to understand the problem. You've got to connect with the kid. You've got to leave them alone. You've got to mess meddle with that. You can't touch that. You can't bother that. Listen, if this is their condition, it's their condition, and you just got to learn to live with that condition. I believe that God wants to change the condition. I don't believe that God wants to settle for the condition. They may come to us hurt, abused. we got to realize that. we got to know that. we got to meet them where they are. No question about that. There's empathy. There's sympathy. There's processes involved. But I'm telling you, that's not the end of the story today. God's still writing out some things in their life, and he's going to change their life. And we're not settling for less than that. We still lay hands on them, praise God, and believe that God's going to change their mindset. We lay hands on them and we believe God's going to break generational patterns over them. One of the best things that we've done with our after school program is every Friday we get together, I lay hands on every one of those boys and I pray over them that God would direct their lives and create in them an understanding of who they are in him and that he would direct every step they take from that point on. Okay, so now you have to promise not to laugh at what I'm about to say. You are God's butt. Now, I know I you wouldn't be able to hold that in. Let me say it a better way. How about that? You make the butt God possible. You are, you are the intervening force God uses to change the trajectory of lives. He will not do it. He does not do it without you. His mission to us We read about it this morning. His mission to us is his mission for us. Amen. I like that. His mission to us, to rescue us, to change our lives, to set us on a new course, to care about us, to love us, to to take us into identity and and to a, a purpose of our life. His mission for us is his mission. His mission to us is his mission for us. He rescued. Now you go rescue. He intervened. Now you go intervene. He loved. Now you go love. You are the extension of God that says, I see where you are, but I also see where you're going. And I am committed to being part of the process. I see what you've been through, but I also see what lies ahead for you. I see what's been said about you, over you, to you, but I know what God says about you, over you, and to you. I see the hurt, but I know the God who heals and restores, and makes all things new. And so here's the response that I'm going to ask for from you today. Several things, actually. There are people in this room that maybe God's been dealing with you for some time about fostering. I find people all the time. I I had a conversation just recently with a a lady, and she said, you know, I've been feeling like God wanted me to do this for a long time, and I just didn't really know how to start. I didn't know what to do next, and... And I'm glad you guys came along because now you kind of help me. Yes, that's what we'll do. I mean, God's been dealing with you. God's been talking to you. Uh, We had a guy delivering gravel yesterday. He stopped and he said, hey, my daughter can't have kids. And what is it that you guys do exactly? I said, we help your daughter get a kid. That's what we do. (laughs) And so another connection, I mean, if there's people all over that say, I feel like that may be what God has for me. If it is, we want to help you. We want to Partner with you in the process. The process is very daunting, and it can be overwhelming, and it can be deflating. But you need a friend, and that we want to be that friend with you in the process. So if God's dealing with you about that, please come see us. We want to talk to you about next steps. There are people in here today that say, I, I don't think that's what God has for me. I don't think we can foster, but we can certainly support foster families. Of course you can. It takes a village of support to make this happen. A village of support. Nobody needs to be on an island with this. I mean we need we need surrogate uncles and aunts and grandparents to come alongside us and say, Hey, will you take these kids for just a couple of hours and give me a break? Yes, praise God. Let this church family even become a safe and supportive place for foster families. I'm telling you it's changed our church, it's changed our lives. There's nothing nothing sweeter than these babies coming up to me. I don't have any grandkids yet. My kids won't get on the ball. I don't know what's wrong with them. But I have a whole bunch of little surrogate grandbabies. The good thing about them is I can just kind of love on them and send them back home. April shared with you the 127 initiative that we've launched. I would ask you right now, pull your phone out. If you're willing to do that, set your alarm for 127. It's okay to pull your phone out right now. This is part of the service. Pull your phone out and set an alarm for 127. And here's what we're asking you to do. Just say a 27-second prayer. When that alarm goes off, even if you're in the middle of doing, I mean, April's teaching class, and she stops and says a prayer. Just every day to keep that mission on the forefront of your mind. Another thing that I would to ask you to do, and I think there's a QR code that's going to be on the screen there, that you consider joining us at $27 a month. We're looking for 100 units to do that. You might say, I can do more than one unit of $27. Whatever it is, we don't put pressure on anybody for any of that kind of stuff. We just trust that the Lord speaks to you and you respond to what he says. But there's a QR code on your screen if you want to connect with us in that way. We also have cards on the table. While you got your phone out, I would ask that you would go find us on Facebook. Rising Suns Ranch for Boys is where you'll find it on Facebook and connect with us there. Like us, follow us. You'll see lots of updates. I try to do a good job of posting pictures and things of our progress and what's, what's happening. Would you stand with me across this room? I want to invite you to come to our table afterwards. We would love to visit with you one-on-one. It be our great privilege. Every head bowed and every eye closed across the room. And I want to ask this. I, I feel like the way the message has led us this morning that there may just be an opportunity in the room today. For someone who doesn't know Jesus to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Those first three verses that I read to you in Ephesians chapter 2 may be your current reality. They may be where you are today. But verse 4 is where you can be. And if you simply respond to the Lord by saying, God, I, I know I need you. I know that I need you in my life. The way I've been doing things isn't working well, and Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart, that we'll be saved. It also says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says in Revelation 3.20 that I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If any man will open the door, I'll come in. I'll have fellowship with him. We'll be in this thing together. And so if you're here today and you say, I don't really know Jesus, or I've... Known Jesus in the past, but I'm not living in alignment with his word. I'm not walking with him today. If that's you, would you just pray the prayer of salvation and just ask God to come into your life this morning. I'm going to pray over you, and you just pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you for the people in this room right now that are giving their heart to you, that are committing their life to you, that are surrendering right now everything that they are into your hands, trusting that you're going to lead, guide, and direct them from this moment on. Lord, your word's very clear that if we confess with our mouths, believe in our heart, we'll be saved. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lord, it's not uniquely me that struggled, but all of us have. And so, Father, today as they call on your name, as they ask you to come into their life, come into their heart, I pray, Lord, that you would just make your presence known to them in a powerful, powerful way doesn't mean everything changes instantly. But it does mean that as we walk with you, we progress with you, we change changed by you. We are conformed to your image, the ways of Christ. And so, Father, I'm just praying that that process play out as they establish themselves in the house of God. Center themselves under great teaching. You'll direct their steps. I thank you for that Lord I thank you for the people that are giving their life to you right now we praise you Father now if you're here Pastor I hope it's okay you need healing in your body God's doing that I think there's a there's a powerful opportunity for God to do some healing in this place this is not part of my message but this is I believe that this is what the Lord would have us do if you need healing in your body would you come let us pray for you Let us pray that God would change that situation in your life. It doesn't have to just be physical. It can be mental. It can be social. It can be a relationship. Wherever you need healing. He's a God who does it all. and He will set you on the right course this morning. He'll start changing some things in your life. There's others in this place today. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Come and let God do a work in your life right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, I'm going to just turn this back over to you and I'll pray with you.